stage we're saying that, um, you know, Optus is saying that they've fixed the problem. Um, we'll see how it goes over the next two nights. Okay, you've all read the news, but today on the podcast, we've decided to take you on a stroll. We are going to Red Square. First time Red Square is open to the public uh, since we've been here. And the atmosphere is just incredible. There are flags and people from all around the world. Let's take a walk. Yeah, it's the World Game Podcast. Oh, you're doing the podcast? Yeah, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. I can see you've got a Croatian uh, cap. Yeah, yeah, mate. That's Croatia, man. So hopefully, I think we'll Croatia, Argentina, I think we'll win. I think Argentina doesn't really want to win. You know, they're not there. There are too many superstars, you know, that I think we got a good chance of winning there. I think the Argentina and Croatia will go through to the next round. Cool. Cheers, mate. Cheers, man. See you, man. Basically, the square is filled with people from all around the world. We got flags from every country, even countries like uh, that are not represented at all in this World Cup. I can see you were in the shot of uh, Haiti. Uh, who, uh, where are you from and uh, who you support? Well, um, I was born in Haiti, but I'm American, I'm both American and, uh, and Haitian. Right now, I'm a Brazil fan and I'm also supporting Mexico because of the, they're from the same region as Haiti, the CONCACAF region, and United 2026. I was going to ask, uh, you guys must be pleased. Canada, the US and Mexico uh, for 2026. Uh, what was the vibe back, uh, back home? Well, actually, we were here when the, the news came out, but the thing is, uh, everybody was very excited. We expected it. Uh, I think, you know, we're going to put on a great show. CONCACAF uh, has put on a great show, so it's, it's going to be wonderful. And actually, I'm uh, personally, I'm supporting France. I think they're going all the way this year. Did you, did you understand I was French? Oh, a little <laughs> bit, a little bit, you know. How, how proud would you be if AT uh, makes it to the World Cup? Well, it would most likely be other than 1974 when we first made it to the World Cup. It would be the second most excited moment in Haitian soccer history. So we're, you know, we're, we we're in 2026. We will make it. That's we're, for sure. The groundwork has already started uh, to build for 2026. So 2026, we'll, we'll be there for sure. Also, my last question: those Peruvians, they're just nuts. I love, see, I love I love the I love what what's going on for Peru because it has been it had been 36 years since Peru last made it to the World Cup, so now I'm very excited for for Peru and Mexico also. Good good luck guys enjoy. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye bye. We're here on Red Square. So many people from all around the world. You're Russian. How proud are you today of this World Cup? It's very uh, beautiful. It's, it's so nice. It's my uh, country. It's a uh, Zuba respect. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Russia. Russia. I just had some uh, some fans from Mexico here. Hey, fantastic win against uh, Germany. Are you guys still celebrating? How was the celebration? The celebration was really hard. We drink a lot and we still hang over. We thought that uh, Germany was going to win, but Mexico, Mexico did the, the things well, and and now we are celebrating. Someone's lost his voice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and it's the first game, so I I think that I that I will uh, recover my voice for the next match. Is that important to have a few days in between so you can recover your voice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope my voice is going to be right. What does football mean in Mexico? It's like a kind of a religion because we have a, a lot of problems in our country and it's like a kind of our freedom, I'm trying to find our freedom in, in this kind of sports. 
<laughs> for us, it's like uh, I don't know. It's, it's another world, and we are trying to know about all the cultures, and it's the best to to know another culture. Are you amazed with the number of different flags and colors and and things you see all around here? Like they just opened for Red Square today. Yeah, and all the all the people is very very kind with us. They love the Mexican day, Mexico, Mexico. They love Mexico. Yes, I'm not going to ask you to sing. No, <laughs> no not now. I can't, Maybe I can't, tomorrow. I can't. Maybe tomorrow. Good luck with the rest of the tournament. Thank you, Thank you so you. much. Here we have Colombians and Polish. What does uh, football do for you? I don't care like if people uh, from Poland or Colombia, but we are only one team. Like We are in the World Cup, so we have to enjoy it. And what about you in Poland? Like you said, it's very good to unite and everything. everyone's in the World Cup and everything like that, so I think it's very good. Yeah. You guys are going to meet, yeah. but you're drinking together. Kazan, Kazan. Colombia! 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 Polska, 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 gold, gold, gold! How are you keeping this a friendly atmosphere? Uh, we are friends, Christoph. You see this beautiful game? Tonight, we will be dancing together. How excited are you? Iceland has done amazingly well uh, and you brought a lot more to this World Cup than the Viking club. Of course. The, the funny thing is uh, when, we, when we were drawn against Argentina in the group in October, first thing I said, it's going to go 1-1. Believe me. I trust you, don't worry. Of course. <laughs> uh, what's the atmosphere back in Iceland and the culture? Because I've done the Euro, you've done so well in the Euro. Is there, is there a lot of football there, everywhere? Definitely. Iceland goes football crazy. Everybody stops and watches the game. It's tremendous. How do you feel when you see other countries do the Viking clap as well? Are you proud? Or are you going? Are you going? Oh, come on, guys, that's ours. It's very, very proud. We're very proud of the Viking yeah, chant, and we're we're loving that everybody else loves it. Good luck, guys, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day in Russia. Thank you, so thank hot you. here today. Is it not too hot for you guys? It's very, very hot. hot yes, hot. way too hot. But we love it. Do you get 30 degrees in Iceland? No, I think we get no. maximum uh, 14, 15 maybe in the summertime. That's only a miracle. If it like gets <laughs> right now, it's raining in Iceland. Okay, yeah. so it's, yeah. tough, it's tough for you here. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy. Yeah. You too. Thank See you. you. There you go, that was our walk uh, in Red Square, a pretty incredible moment, uh, pretty incredible people, just a, an incredible atmosphere here uh, in Russia, in Moscow for this World Game Podcast Russia 2018. We'll take a short break and then when we come back, we'll uh, have a look at the football, the beautiful game, the real one this time with uh, Lucy is straight after this. Don't go anywhere. Feel closer to the action with the 2018 FIFA World Cup with live matches and replays, highlights and multiple camera angles. It's into the net. Plus, keep up to date with the interactive match centre, statistics and all the latest news from Russia. It's not to be denied today. Experience the World Cup from every angle with a free 2018 FIFA World Cup app. Download now. And uh, welcome back to the uh, World Game Podcast. We are very own Busy B. Uh, that's your new nickname, Lucy Zelich. Hi, Lucy. Hey, I'm a busy bee, but I'm a happy bee um, because, you know, this is what we live for at this organisation. We love the World Cup. Um, we, we live and breathe these types of moments in world football. So we're delighted to be here and as busy and as tired as we are, the, the show rolls on, Christoph. 
So we had three matches on SBS uh, this time around. First one, uh, Sweden against Korea. Uh, Sweden won that match 1-0. Uh, what did you make of it? I thought that, and I know that Craig Foster, my beloved colleague, shared this view. Uh, I thought that Korea Republic were largely disappointing in that, and and I thought it's pre predominantly because we've seen them, particularly when they managed to to jag a fourth place finish in 2002. We've seen them play a more aggressive, entertaining style of football. There's been a real departure of that, particularly under Shin at the moment. And I thought that this was a crucial game for both these sides when you consider the context of the group and what Mexico managed to do to Germany. This was an opportunity for both of them to really go at each other and to get a result because they know that they're going to really struggle against a Germany who, let's face it, won't be making the same mistake twice against both of these nations uh, with the greatest of respect to them. But Mexico also proved that they're a very strong footballing side. You don't go and beat Germany uh, and not come away from that as a team that's being largely applauded for their performance. So I think it was disappointing from Korea Republic's perspective. Um, I thought that Sweden did put in a good shift and credit to them because because they came out to play and they managed to get the result that they needed. So uh, onward and upward and just how far Sweden can go in this tournament and who else they could potentially upset, I'm not really sure. From my perspective, Christoph, I feel as though the group has already been decided in that it will potentially be Mexico and Germany progressing from this group. And Sweden, that was their first win uh, as an opening match since 1958 when they were the host of that World Cup. That's incredible. Oh, I mean, and we're seeing so many records like this come to light at this tournament. And I think that these are the best narratives coming out of it so far. Who would have thought that Russia would have gone on and do what they did against Saudi Arabia? 5-0, what a remarkable result. What about Iceland equalising against Argentina? Uh, I mean, we know that Switzerland, they're ranked sixth in the world. But to, to do what they did against Brazil and to keep them at bay and to manage to walk away with a result like that... That's stuff that we didn't expect either. We also didn't expect the, the, the Spain v Portugal game to be as a high-scoring affair as what it was. So we're seeing so many interesting little stories coming out of this World Cup and surprise results that not many people expected. The other match uh, we'd like to talk about is Belgium against Panama. Um, talk about high scoring. 3-0 for Belgium. Uh, it's quite a good result for them. It's a very good result. But I know that in the first half they were largely disappointing. And I think a lot of fans watching that did expect more from Belgium. They came into the tournament. Christoph in exceptional form. Romelu Lukaku, um, their, their absolutely star striker uh, in blistering form also. So the first half I thought that Panama, you know, for them, this is their debut at a World Cup. All you had to do was watch what it meant to these players just singing the national anthem. You had one of their central defenders, Torres, even admit coming into the game that he was going to get very emotional singing the anthem, and he did. You could see tears coming out of his eyes. But with the greatest of respect to them, we knew that Belgium were the far more superior side coming into this statistically and also as a nation as well. They are currently going through their second golden generation phase, so they're are rightfully so a lot of expectations around them as a nation but the second half that's when we really saw the game start to open up and it was sort of fantastic to see but ultimately Panama for them they were outclassed by a world-class team. You may have guessed now I like my stats. Uh, Belgium are not unbeaten for the last 10 World Cup group. 10 matches. Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me because, like I said, this second golden generation of theirs has a litany of stars embedded within this squad. We know that when we talked about them in the context of the 2014 World Cup of Brazil that they were being labelled the, the dark horses. I didn't feel that the players were ready then, and we can only say that now with the benefit of hindsight, but when you look at the players now that have been playing across top leagues uh, in the world at the moment, um, you could say that they've really hit their peak. Players like De Bruyne, okay, there were some question marks around him in that first 
first half in particular because he was playing in a more a deeper sort of midfield, holding midfield role, which I found to be quite peculiar. Um, but then it was only in the second half that their coach, Roberto Martinez, identified that and started to push him further up the park that you saw that space opened up, that they started to dislodge uh, some of the Panama players and, and draw them out and force them into more difficult situations. And that's what we wanted to see from Belgium because we know they've got the quality. It's just that they need to be playing in the right sort of way to be able to execute and exert themselves from that quality perspective. And then we had England against Tunisia. Uh, quite a particular match as well because 2-1 is the final score for, for England. Well-deserved victory for England, but geez, Tunisia parked the bus. Oh, they did park the bus, but we expected that. And you have to expect that from these nations. We've already seen a, you know, a number of these sorts of similar situations occur in, in a host of other games. Uh, you know, that's what Argentina had to do against Iceland um, for much of the match. As soon as Iceland equalised, they parked the bus and Argentina had to try and figure out a way to break them down. People underestimate that just because you have a star-studded squad that it's going to be easy for you to break them down. Well, you try trying to break down 10 players parked behind the ball for much of the, you know, the football match that's that's virtually impossible at some point uh, there was a kick uh, a free kick at 80th minute there was 10 guys in the wall like only the keeper was on the other side 10 guys in that wall that is probably parking the bus Th that is probably parking the bus and not just a bus a double decker bus um, and you know something that uh, a coach like Jos Mourinho could identify with as well because not to bring him into it but he certainly knows what that means and it can be ugly football at times but you have to give these nations credit because they understand their strengths and also their weaknesses and when they're coming up against these bigger teams these bigger nations who are, let's face it, um, blessed with so much more quality than what they are, they have to, they have to do it. Um, but again, it then falls to the opposing side to be able to break them down. Some have struggled so far. They haven't been able to do it and it's been frustrating for them at times. But these nations are, you know, coming into the tournament with, you know, hope and, 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 and I guess a couple of Hail Marys uh, up their sleeves because they know that they're going to find it very difficult and then they know that they have to do this in order to try and get something out of it. And then Kane, that delivers the header. I mean, nobody else could do the, but Kane. No, and we love Harry Kane, don't we? Um, even if you are a neutral, watching him has been fantastic um, from a Premier League perspective, what he's had to offer, particularly in the last two seasons alone. Um, he's grown so much as a, as a player and, um, and a world-class player at that. The thing that was obviously very mystifying to me was that second goal, uh, which ended up being the winner, he was left completely unmarked. And that was just down to a lapse in judgment, a bit of mental fatigue, as, as our panellist uh, Raphael Honigstein alluded to. So these are the things that you have to consider that's also going to come into play for these smaller nations too because ultimately you can only fight for so long before true world-class players start to shine. And we know that football is not necessarily 85 minutes, it's 90 minutes plus plus and this is the quick and hard demonstration for Tunisia. Of course it is. Um, and again, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking for them. And you could see some of the players actually crying uh, because that, that they knew that they came so close to walking away from keeping a team like England at bay. And that's huge because so much of the narratives around England uh, at this tournament have been that they are potentially dark horses, but with very little expectation attached. I think that for a lot of English people, they've felt their hearts broken uh, far too much over the, the, the recent years and, and certainly World Cup campaigns in which they've experienced a lot of disappointment. So to now finally be in a position where under Gareth Southgate they feel as though they've got a sense of optimism around the team and a, and a different team at that, you know. Um, I think that they're being compared to the English of old, the English teams of old, and that this is a new England. That's certainly the rhetoric that's coming out of the English camp. They are a different side and they are a different group of players. Um, in campaigns gone by, they've almost come into it a little bit arrogantly, expecting to do well. The team aren't expecting that this time around. And a big, big credit to, to Southgate 
Southgate for being able to revitalise the team, not just from a mental perspective, but also tactical too. Absolutely. Okay, let's have a very quick look at what's uh, coming up uh, tonight. We've got three matches which are going to be on SBS again. Uh, Poland against Senegal. It's hard to pass Poland, I think, on this one. Although Senegal, last time they were at the World Cup, they beat France. It was in uh, Japan. Yeah, how much did that taste like venom coming out of your mouth then? Oh, it's so hard to say. Like, <laughs> we can talk VAR if you want, but <laughs> that was hard. Oh, shut up, Chris. We're not talking about the VAR. That wound is still well and truly open. Um, but, That's you know. Tick for tack. Yeah. Tick for tack, fair enough. I've got to take it if I give it to. But, um, look, you know, Poland, of course, we all know about the qualities of Lewandowski uh, and, and what he offers to the team as well. I feel like the hope of the nation rests on his shoulders. But uh, ultimately, for Senegal, it's going to be interesting to see the way that they set up against a side like Poland. Uh, who did have some uh, some really brilliant moments in qualifiers. So it'll be a fascinating contest, but I, I can't go past Poland in this one. Uh, we're closing round one with Colombia and Japan. Uh, that's an interesting one. If you listen to the uh, start of the podcast, which you probably uh, did, uh, we had a, a good encounter with the Colombian fans. Uh, that's going to be a, quite an interesting match as well. Two different styles of football two very different styles of football and two nations that are in different moments in time uh, when it comes to their sort of footballing identity and, and where they're at. Colombia, I love what they have to offer. They're such an exciting team to watch and I've loved watching them at World Cups gone by too. But, uh, you know, for Japan, they're a different prospect at the moment. They're a side that's in real disarray. We saw what happened with Ali Hodzic um, and the coaching kind of dramas that they've had to go through and then the TD assuming the role. Okay, that's probably the best person to take the job because they are dictating what's happening um, at the, you know, at, the, that, at that time as a footballing nation in terms of where they're at tactically. But I think that um, this isn't a Japan side that we, we've we come to, to know and love and that we've appreciated in years gone by. So they're in a bit of disarray at the moment. And again, if I'm going to tip anybody, I can't go past Colombia. They play some really exciting, fantastic and very scintillating football. So that's going to be a joy to watch. 100% agree. And then we close, uh, we start actually round number two and uh, we close this podcast on uh, Russia against Egypt. Can Russia... Uh, capitalize on that 5-0 uh, they had in the first round? Well, I'm sure so many of the Russian people listening to this would love to hear me say yes, but um, I feel like that was a bit of a freak game and a freak result and purely because of how poor Saudi Arabia were. I mean, to, to come off the, the result that they had against Germany 2-1, okay, it was an unconvincing win by Die Mannschaft, but you know they, they looked a lot more aggressive and, and were a lot more attacking in that match. In this game, it was like a complete toothless tiger, a complete sort of 180. It was almost mind-boggling to see them put out the performance that they did. So I don't think that Russia are going to have it as easy as what they did against Saudi Arabia than what they will against Egypt. Of course, the, the big narratives uh, for Egypt will be, will Mohamed Salah start? We know that he didn't come on in that match um, for them in, the, in their first game, in their opening game, but that's going to be the real critical factor in all of this because at the end of the day, without him, are Egypt going to be able to do much? Um, we saw already, not really. We'll see. Thank you, Lucy. It's been uh, lovely to have you again on the podcast. Time to go to bed. Oh, my God. I'm so looking forward to that. <laughs> Thanks. As Australia commutes. Thank you, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And this is it for our podcast today. Uh, remember that you can uh, uh, check out with us on our website, sbs.com.au slash The World Game or on Twitter where we're at, at The World Game. Have a great day, uh, Australia. And then we'll catch up with you tomorrow morning. Bye for now.